Welcome to Hedge Fund Tips with Tom Hayes. I'm Tom Hayes, and this is your 152nd video cast, 142nd podcast for the week ending September 15th, 2022. Uh, been an interesting week to say the last. We're going to get at least to get. We're going to get into the inflation numbers. Uh, as many of you know, our website is down. Uh, hedgefundtips.com Bluehost is uh, the host they've got thousands of websites down the last two days they say they're working on it um, I like this quote from many of the thousands of people on Twitter complaining that their sites are down he said while I'm annoyed my website is down because of Bluehost I find the complaints on Twitter to be a nice confirmation that misery loves company so <laughs> nonetheless um, the good news is that uh, there are alternative ways to get out our message we have the email list. We've uh, posted our article of the week on LinkedIn, which I think is going to be a good thing moving forward. We'll be part of our, our syndication. Um, and we'll kick it off with the media and get down, right down to the information. So thanks for tuning in. First off, I want to thank Will Kolaris, Gabrielle C., and Celestine Francis, as well as Jenny Go, for having me on CNBC Street Signs Asia on Tuesday night to discuss stock market inflation, home builders, China, bonds, etc. Uh, we're going to go into that into some detail. I was on right after Mr. Wonderful billionaire investor Kevin Leary, and he had some interesting things to say about China, which we'll get into as well. Uh, I want to thank Bansari Kamdar for including me in her article after the inflation print. Uh, the CPI one on Tuesday, which came in higher than expected, but not quite as bad as everyone thinks. We'll talk about that today. I said the good news is the peak narrative holds as uh, July was the highest print. Uh, the bad news is July, meaning it was printed in July, but it was the June month. Uh, the bad news is the upside miss cements a, a third 75 basis points hike next week. So the market will trade heavy for a day or two until participants can refocus on fundamentals and earnings of businesses, which are holding up nicely despite a challenging environment. I think that's a good way to start, uh, start off today. And then with Peter Lynch, the most important organ in the body, as far as the stock market is concerned, is the guts, not the head. Anyone can acquire the know-how for analyzing stocks. We agree. Let's get out to some overview because there's a lot of confusion in the market. But what are the extreme indicators showing us? Uh, this 10-day put-call ratio is extended. Uh, this is generally, with the exception of the pandemic, where you want to be a buyer, not a seller. I don't see any pandemic coming around the corner, and I certainly don't see a great financial crisis coming around the corner because debt levels are much lower than they were during previous crises. Uh, NASDAQ 1% EMA, advanced decline ratio, that started to come off the bottom. Then we got to hit over the head a little bit. Uh, this week with the CPI print, but I think that'll work itself out. Now everyone is in a trading range until Powell speaks. We know he's going 75 now. The question is, uh, what will his guidance be moving forward? And I think he has to be very, very careful because there are already two 75-point hikes in the, in the hopper uh, that have happened. Uh, and not waiting for the lagged effect, he could definitely drive the economy into a strong recession if he goes too heavy with the cuts, with the hikes, and with the guidance. Uh, but um, I think we'll see if it's going to be, you know, 75-50-50 or 75-50-25, um, and we'll, we'll get a little color on that. But owner's equivalent rent we're going to talk about that kind of misled the CPI print because they change how that's measured. And with housing prices coming down, owner's equivalent rent uh, comes down on a lag basis as well. Uh, but that's kind of misrepresented in how they're calculating it right now. 
but as we see more and more of these indicators are near areas of buying versus uh, where you want to be buying versus where you want to be selling. Even the real estate, this is correlated with rates. Uh, rates are up, uh, yields are up uh, on the basis of the print, but uh, these tend to bottom out and go up as rates get compressed. And we talked about it on CNBC. We're going to cover that in this podcast video cast. Dow, intermediate term, breadth momentum, same thing, where you want to be a buyer or seller, same thing with mid caps, uh, NASDAQ, volume momentum. So all these things, uh, equity, National Association of Active Investment Managers down at 33%. Uh, only was this low at the pandemic lows. So you tell me, is something worse than the pandemic coming in the next two months? Uh, I, I'll take the other side of that trade. PMO buy all, like we said last week, it had touched one, but sometimes they stay that way for a couple weeks before reversing. And I think that's what we're just dealing with right now, the seasonality of September. I think there's the old saying, sell Rush Hosanna, buy Yom Kippur, or some ridiculous thing uh but it tends to be a seasonally weak period uh in the short term and then a rally into the end of the year uh everyone's kind of looking for that which is why i think we're not going to go retest those uh, june lows but um uh if we do it you know two weeks of uh just waiting is not not the end of the world uh pmo by spx same thing these things can stay down for a little while but these are where areas where you want to buy 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 not sell. Um, Pring diffusion. That's interesting. Pring emerging market diffusion indicator. This is, um, we have the SPX on the bottom, but actually, if you put the emerging markets on the bottom, this is a pretty good indicator for emerging markets where you want to be a buyer versus a seller as well which as we've said repeatedly is going to depend on when the dollar starts to turn but um, when it gets this low it can be an interesting place to to go so you get the point on the overview of the market uh, here was another one that we put out on uh, monday or sunday uh, this was the nasdaq percentage of stocks above the 200-day moving average i mean this goes all the way back to the great financial crisis the last time they were this low was the uh, European debt crisis. You wanted to be a buyer that October. We're lower than we were then. And uh, then you had the 2016 thing with uh, the high yield market that reversed quickly. The 2018 thing when, uh, when um, Powell almost threw the economy off the cliff and it had to reverse on Christmas Eve. And then the pandemic. So every single one of those times was huge buy opportunities in, in equity markets. We're back to the future. We're there once again. Billionaire investor Mr. Wonderful said the stock market route is a buying opportunity, especially in China. And it's funny, I was in the queue with the producers waiting to go on and I'm listening to uh, Kevin O'Leary basically steal my, steal my whole spiel ahead of me. Um, so, uh, billionaire investor, Kevin Leary, nicknamed Mr. Wonderful. He's on Shark Tank is advising people to invest more in Chinese stocks. Uh, what he says is if you're looking for long-term secular growth, there's no question the Chinese economy over the next 20 to 25 years is going to become the largest on earth. There's no stopping that. There's no denying it. I disagree with him on that. I think over the next three to five years, it's going to be the biggest outperformer. But as we covered three weeks ago, I think it becomes Japan after call it, uh, what are we in, 2022? So after 2027, 20, by the end of this decade, it will peak just like Japan did at the end of the 80s because of their aging population. But 
with all moves, the last part of the move that is the parabolic move to the upside. And I think they're going to see the most growth in the shortest period of time uh, over the next five years before finally peaking. Um, and O'Leary, who invests in Chinese stocks, says the growth of China's internet behemoths reflects a consumer emergency um, emergence, much like the earlier consumer emergence in the U.S. economy and could offer similar profits for investors. If you own Amazon, why don't you own uh, Alibaba? O'Leary asked, referring to multinational e-commerce giant Alibaba. Um, and let's see. Ah, here it is. Yeah, he. he yep. Uh, the founder of investment company O'Leary Ventures and a shark on ABC Shark Tank said on CNBC Street Signs Asia on Wednesday. It was Tuesday night, Wednesday morning for Street Signs Asia. So uh, that they're quoting him from right before he went on, uh, right before I went on on CNBC Street Signs Asia. So we agree with Mr. Wonderful on this case and I guess several others. Uh, and here was the promotion that CNBC put out. Uh, moving right along, uh, Sumit Kapoor, uh, you may recognize his name because he's asked so many AMA questions over the last two or three years on our podcast. He's been an ardent uh, follower and supporter, and he seems to have internalized some of the lessons because he put out a great thread on Twitter this week. Uh, These 10 catalysts are lined up for Alibaba to significantly appreciate before year end, uh, and he tagged me on it. Uh, So uh, great work, Sumit. Uh, he said uh, one conclusion. So, so basically he compiled all the things that we've been talking about. And he did go into further detail on one of them, which I thought was uh, really interesting, was uh, the conclusion of SoftBank's Alibaba stock sale by September end. In August, SoftBank announced they will sell a maximum of 242 million uh, Baba ADRs to FIs. As part of this deal, the closer Baba's price was to 91.19, the higher the number of ADIs, ADRs the FLs would receive. So this was the press release. Uh, 91.19 was the closing price of Baba on August 9th when the deal was signed. Uh, guess what? The average price of Baba has been between August 10th and September 9th has been 92.79 within 2% of 91.19. During the time frame, the minimum and max volume per day of the ADRs, you can see is big, big time volume. Uh, traded were 11 million and 46 million or between 4% and 19% of the potential 242 million ADRs uh, that they may receive in this deal. Therefore, financial institutions may receive as part of this deal. Therefore, the financial institutions had access to enough BABA ADRs to short them if BABA price were to move substantially above 91.19, the financial institutions would not have had to short enough BABA ADRs, especially given the prevailing negative sentiment for Chinese equities. After September, when this deal consummates, incentives of financial uh, financial institutions will flip and they will want BABA shares to appreciate to maximize their profits. Goldman and UBS, who were part of this deal, will report BABA in their forms 13 DNF which may inspire other investors to become interested in Baba. I disagree with that. Uh, on a side note, this is an excellent deal for financial institutions. What about SoftBank Group? I may end up losing up to 38% of their of shares in their best investment yet. What are the consequences? Uh, Rajiv Misra, ex-UBS, and rumored to be Masasan's successor, recently stepped down as a corporate officer. Uh, okay, so then he goes into... The remaining catalysts, which are the PCAOB auditors, land in Hong Kong next week. That's this week uh, to audit 
Alibaba. And, and I was, I was kind of laughing at the website being down because what I found in life is before the biggest quantum leaps and the biggest breakthroughs, you always have breakdowns before the breakthrough. I mean, like, literally, like my website's down for two days. When does this kind of craziness happen? It's just bananas. Um, so uh, my guess is we're on to something big here. Uh, maybe this will be the catalyst. Um, uh, and we know from the uh, uh, annual report that uh, PwC has said that we've conducted uh, BABA's audits in accordance with the standards of the PCAOB since 1999. So I think it's going to be a, a non-issue there for the listing. It'll take some, some uh, overhang off the stock, um, etc. So he goes into some great detail on this. Uh, additional stimulus from Chinese, Chinese stimulus measures, we've covered all that. Uh, COVID cases rolling over, we've covered that. The upgrade we covered on last week's call he put in there. The uh, uh, podcast he put in there for number seven. Um, uh, GavCal is talking about uh, they'll drop the tariffs at, at the G20 when, when Putin and, uh, not Putin, uh, Xi and Biden meet. We'll see, we won't hold our breath there. Uh, Xi could provide boost to uh, China's stock market. This is uh, ahead of the ahead of the uh, China National Congress. We'll see. I mean, time is running short on that thesis. And then change in uh, consumer sentiment will cause them to re-rate. I mean, that's opinion follows trend as we get one of these catalysts to kick in. The ones that I covered on CNBC, though, were... Um, you know, just kind of some of the parts, you know, with current assets at 102 billion, cash over 73, uh, the market cap at whatever it is, 270 billion, they could basically buy in, you know, a third to a half of the shares, number one. Number two, people continue to forget they still own a third of uh, Ant Financial, which was going to IPO at 300 billion. So we'll call it's worth 200 billion. That's another 70 billion. So now you're at 170 billion. And then you've got the cloud that's going to triple over the between now and 2025. Uh, Alibaba's got 36, close to 37% share. Uh, that could drop 20 to 30 billion to the bottom line. You give that a 10 multiple, that's another 200 billion. So you got basically a four or five hundred billion dollar stock before you even get into the e-commerce business, the the growth that's going to come from the the stimulus, the lag stimulus as as uh, COVID's dying down. And what I like to say is, uh, I, I responded to someone on, on Twitter uh, when they were you saying, oh, more shutdowns, blah, blah, blah. I said, listen, COVID, is, COVID zero is temporary. Business moats are permanent. And uh, in the case of Alibaba, their first mover on all of these key factors. Uh, no one's going to unseat uh, Amazon in the United States. No one's going to unseat Alibaba uh, in, in China and Asia. And um, it's just a question of getting through this, these short-term headwinds and the smoke, uh, and, and we'll go from there. So great thread from Sumit, uh, one of our loyal listeners and great learners. He also put, I don't really generally care about analyst ratings, but in the case of um, uh, Morningstar, they are pretty good because these guys, you know, they were always out at the Buffett annual meetings with us. Uh, they're steeped in, you know, Buffettology, so to speak, and, and analysis and valuation. So they do good work. If you read any of their reports on stocks, it's not like the normal sell-side nonsense because they don't have conflicts. And Sumit pointed out that uh, according to Morningstar, uh, Baba is selling at 50% discount to its fair value, the highest discount 
of KWeb, which is the China Internet ETF top 10 holdings. Uh, we agree with that. And they'll take this rate, just like the sell side, they'll take this rating up even higher once the stock movings up, uh, moves up. That's the PCAOB, that's the COVID cases. Uh, and then finally, uh, CalSTRS, which is the uh, California State Teachers Retirement System. This is from Marcel Munch. You may remember I was on his podcast a number of months ago, and he's got a lot of great followers that are super, uh, not only Alibaba fans, but NEO. They're big into NEO, uh, one of the electric car companies over in China, and uh, always love, love them. Uh, they, they do a great job. But anyway, uh, they're looking to appoint China-focused equity managers for the first time ever. They've got $312 billion under management. So my guess is they're getting ready to front-run uh, what's happening at the end of the year with the dual listing, with $30 billion of demand for uh, what we expect to be Alibaba uh, demand uh, before the end of the year for mainland China through the Stock Connect once they have the dual primary listing. And I think enough institutions are going to be smart enough to front-run that front run the mainland Chinese uh, retail investors that are coming in. They own about $30 billion worth of Tencent. That's where we get that figure from. They've wanted to own BABA for, for uh, you know, decades, and now they're finally getting the chance. Uh, and that'll, that'll happen with the uh, Stock Connect listing. So uh, Chinese rush to repay mortgage gains momentum in abrupt U-turn. Uh, you may have caught the note that I put out that... Um, uh, Evergrande restarted uh, like 90% of their projects that were stalled. And um, the movement to quickly pay off mortgages is an abrupt U-turn for many Chinese people who used to go all out to borrow funds to buy houses during the real estate boom years as the property market slumps. The one sought after leverage has turned into a burden that some say they must trim or get rid of. So, um, so that'll be good for the banking sector as those get paid down. Uh, and for the credit system, which is good, Chinese Chengdu exits full citywide COVID lockdown on Thursday. So that's today. They finally ended that new lockdown. Uh, Chinese bank, this is important. Chinese banks cut deposit rates in first broad move since 2015. If you follow Chinese markets, that was a good year to, to uh, be a buyer. Seven major banks reduced benchmark deposit rates for clients. Move comes amid efforts by Beijing to boost economic growth. So basically, we're not going to pay you anything. You got to put it to work. Uh, in other words, uh, if you keep it in the bank account, you will lose money consistently to inflation. It's almost like putting a time fuse on a on a transfer payment. You know, if you say uh, we're going to help you out with uh, food and stuff like that, but you got to spend it within 30 days. Well, people are not going to wait 31 days. It's the same when you have inflation. And, uh, and you lower the interest rate on deposits, people are going to figure out how to invest it or save or spend it uh, versus let it sit in the bank in fear because obviously people were hoarding their money, not knowing when the next shutdown was going to be. And now, now the government's saying, well, you don't know when the next shutdown is going to be, but, but if you hoard, you're going to lose. And uh, so they're, they're trying to uh, force their people uh, to, um, to spend and to invest. Tencent secures first China video game license in 15 months. So that's positive. Uh, that was one big overhang on some of the China internet stocks. Uh, Evergrande has resumed construction on 668 of 706 China projects. Uh, now, now on to the general market. This is from a guy named Milton Berg. Uh, S&P 500 generated an 80 to 1 downside to upside declines to advances ratio. I guess that was on Tuesday with the knee jerk to the CPI. 
This occurred 27 times since 1980. 120 days later, the S&P 500 had gained in price 80% of the time for a median gain of 13.23%. Uh, and the median decline, the other 20% of instances was 4.26%. Now, <clears throat> this is very important. We cut the video from CNBC. We saw it live. We have YouTube TV. We cut, we cut the video of one of our favorite sell-side strategists, uh, Jim Paulson of, of Luthold. And what he said, and he also said in his notes, uh, Seth Golden put out, uh, during each of the previous seven major inflation cycles, after the annual inflation rate peaked, which it did in June, by the way, uh, the stock market essentially bottomed out, Paulson wrote today. Consequently, based on the big inflation cycles of the last 100 years, this current stock market low is already in because the inflation rate has already peaked. We've been saying this since June. Jim Paulson put this out. It's very, very exciting to see that. Uh, he goes through every single uh, cycle where the year-on-year -year was above 6%. And what's perfect about this is when inflation peaked this cycle, guess what, was June. And the bottom of the market was also in June. So, uh, so that's, that's very positive to see. Uh, World Container Index, this is Seth Golden over on Twitter, uh, also collapsing. So look, Tuesday's report was one report. We saw on Wednesday the PPI is doing a lot better. PPI, producer price index, is a leading indicator. Uh, CPI is a lagging indicator. This is a cutout of one of uh, Jim Paulson's uh, in each of the seven inflation cycles. Uh, the bottom of the stock market was already in, and he shows these three right here. And uh, I think that 2022 is going to be no different. Um, this is Larry Williams. He's a technician. Uh, you know, this is this timing solution software where you can put all these crazy things in, uh, variables and planets and yada, yada, yada. It's a timing. I have the software. I, we, you know, we used it a bunch for a while. I mean, it, it's okay, but, uh, he's been pretty good this year, Larry Williams. So, uh, yeah, he runs in streaks and this year he's been on a pretty good hot streak. His basic thesis is that you get one more dip and then put your rally hat on, folks, uh, and, uh, and the market's going to rip higher into 2023. Uh, whether we get this other dip or not, I, I'd say no, but it really doesn't matter if we got to wait a, a, a few more weeks before we get the end of the year rally. Uh, and that's what he's been saying, and he's been hot this year, so it's worth a look. Um, okay, Bank of America Fund Manager Survey shows risk appetite. Uh, and risk-taking at levels not seen since the 2008 great financial crisis. Uh, lows, every time risk appetite was at extremes, markets surged. Here we are again. This is just one more thing. Uh, 2008, it happened. 2011, it happened. 2016, it happened. And, uh, and it's going to happen this time as well in our view. Um, now, this is a, a really important point from Seth Golden. Uh, People are saying that now people are borrowing to stay afloat. Household, but the, when you look at the data, it's just the opposite. Household balance sheet is in the best shape since the 1970s. Uh, and if you look here, uh, you can see that household debt service payments as a percent of disposable personal income are at uh, you know four or five decade lows. Uh, so don't buy the hype. Uh, producer prices decelerate faster than expected. That won't change the Fed's plans. Uh, probably not. Uh, you know, 75 basis points was already height of, uh, kind of expected before the 
1200 point drop on on uh on uh tuesday uh so they'll probably keep with that the key is going to be the guidance going forward and uh the fact that we have the uh sterilization of the quantitative tightening uh which i think is also going to be positive we covered that last week we'll get into that uh here which was basically that while the fed is doing 95 billion dollars a month of quantitative tightening uh we have something that we did not have during the last tightening cycle which is um uh, 2.2 trillion dollars in the reverse repo and what uh kevin muir says in this bloomberg art in this bloomberg article is the abundance of liquidity is evident from the reverse repo operations growth to its present 2.18 trillion size from virtually nothing before the pandemic institutions have more cash than they know what to do with so they're parking their money at the fed and that's a good thing so that will sterilize uh any fears about quantitative tightening what they should do based on that and they've got 800 billion dollars in the treasury general account which operates like the government's checking account at the central bank uh is they should um talk up quantitative tightening to bring down inflation expectations and not go so crazy on the uh hiking because the quantitative tightening is sterilized and the hiking is not so um uh, that would kind of be my strategy in, in in their shoes we'll see if they follow that uh that would make too much sense but um stay tuned uh just menton put out a really cool article on bloomberg about the cpi minus ppi spread remains negative but is narrowing positive spreads historically point to higher equity returns so you can see here it's coming up to it's just about turning positive uh that spread and that that uh bodes good things to come in in the equity markets and and it really speaks to what i'm saying is that the cpi is a lagging indicator versus the ppi which is the leading and the ppi came in pretty good this week um Barry Sternlich, big real estate guy out of Miami, used to be New York. Um Starwood Properties uh was on CNBC this morning saying Fed needs to pump the brakes on rate hikes. Uh if it doesn't it will cause a serious recession recession. We kind of agree with him on that. Um I don't know if he needs to pump the brake on them, but they, you know, uh I think if they did 25 next week, which is not going to happen, but if they did 25 or 0 next week and waited 90 days, I think the inflation numbers would still be a lot lower and we're going to look at some of the inflation numbers because you get headlines and then you get facts. Uh they're already rolling over. So I agree with him. This stuff works on a 6 to 9 month lag basis and we only started cutting in March and we've just done two 75 basis point hikes. But everyone likes the emotional panic on every backward looking print, so they always overshoot, which is not a good thing. Um and then but all that means is they're going to have to reverse quicker, which is a good thing. And uh my guess is we'll be seeing cuts by uh within the first half of 2023. Uh Elon Musk says Fed should drop 25 basis points instead of raising. um saying that a major hike hike would risk de- deflation we agree he is kind of in this um camp that the developed world uh population is getting too old and we risk uh we face serious risks on that on that behalf i agree um moving along southwest airlines see strong demand trends uh business travel may be coming back i was planning to cover expedia uh on this basis on cnbc we didn't have time 
But uh, just like we saw the leisure tra revenge travel happening over the summer uh, and in the last six months, we are seeing the same thing with business travel coming back for the first time in, in major ways. As a matter of fact, five of the last 15 days, it may be six or seven now, I haven't looked uh, since Tuesday, but um, have higher TSA pass-through numbers than the equivalent day in 2019 pre-pandemic. So that business travel is coming back in earnest. Uh, here was an article from uh, Barron's by Nordstrom analyst says young and rich will keep spending. I think that's, that's a very interesting uh, play uh, to keep in mind. And now on to the article of the week, uh, which I posted to LinkedIn because I don't have a website. Thank you, Bluehost. Uh, okay, everything's going to be all right. Stock market and sentiment results. So whether Larry Williams is right with his uh, timing solution software and uh, astrology or whatever he's running through his timing cycles, uh, or, um, you know, we're in the camp, we don't get a retest of the June lows. Uh, it doesn't really matter because uh, we'll, we'll get through it. Uh, and the market's going to start to discount um, uh, gridlock. Okay, the Democrats are going to lose the House. Uh, they're, prob they're probably going to keep the Senate. And uh, what that means is that uh, no new major policies will go through, no new taxes will go through. So the corporate tax rate stays low. That's a really good thing. Um, uh, and probably no major spending goes through. So that's also a good thing for inflation expectations. And I think the closer we get and the more those odds become apparent, uh, the more the market is going to like it. Uh, market loves gridlock, whether you have a Republican uh, president and uh, Democratic Senate and House, or you have a Democratic uh, president and uh, Democratic Senate and Republican House. It doesn't matter. You just you can't have all three in one party. It's just not good, as we saw uh, you know, basically in the last 24 months, uh, you don't want carte blanche for all Republicans and you don't want carte blanche for all, all Democrats. Um, okay. So, um, so we talked about Kenny Chesney's song, everything's going to be all right. Great song going to see John party tonight, uh, uh, in concert. So very excited about that here in Connecticut, uh, big country music fan, but the, but the, uh, the lyrics are after what I said was after this week's inflation numbers and knee jerk reaction, investors need to keep in mind everything's going to be all right and nobody's got to worry about nothing. Don't go hitting that panic button like they did on Tuesday. Uh, worth a listen if you like country. Uh, I echoed this sentiment on Tuesday evening after the 4% correction on St CNBC Street Signs Asia with Will Kolaris. Everyone was panicking. Uh, we're kind of like, let's let's just step back and uh, put this in perspective uh, we haven't even given up last week's gains yet uh, so thanks to will gabrielle c and celestine francis for having me on um the good news uh, we covered the the peak narrative will hold as june was the highest print the bad news is the 75 is pretty much a fore foregone conclusion now um uh, you know the other thing to keep in mind is used car prices were down but new car prices were up well, what we're seeing is uh, that that will work on a lag basis. The chips are coming in. The new car, the new cars will glut the market, uh, and they'll start to come down. So that'll help CPI. Same thing with housing prices were down, but rents weren't down yet. But that takes a, that works on a lag basis uh, as uh, as demand comes down. So um, so I said the market will trade heavy for a day or two until participants refocus on fundamentals. Five-year inflation break-evens went down to 262 from 359. Fed is focused on break-evens, which we've covered. 
And then I'm gonna cover some of the Bank of America fund manager survey. Unfortunately, I can't get to all of it because the site is down, but the key points I had ready to cover on CNBC. Uh, so I had my notes in the email from that. Uh, we have the highest expectations for recession since April of 2020 and March of 2009. Same as last month, by the way, uh, but this report came out on Tuesday morning. If you'll note, the bottom was one month before that in uh, March of 2020, and the bottom was March of 2009. So here in September of 2022, we think the bottom was June. Inflation expectations, uh, I'm sorry, recession expectations are the highest since the pandemic lows and the great financial crisis lows. And we have nothing in line that's even similar to those situations, which is just amazing to see the level of kind uh, of kind of panic, which is create which creates opportunities. Lowest percent of managers taking higher than normal risk in history. Lowest percentage of managers overweight equities in history, lower than 2020 pandemic lows and great financial 2008. You know, people ask me like, how did you make that such a great call on March 20th of uh, uh, 2020 when everyone was panicking in the middle of the pandemic? And it's indicators like this, you know, understanding sentiment, looking at historic analogs, uh, knowing when things are at extreme, that things are about to break and, and uh, people need to step in. And we're at a similar situation now and, uh, and everyone wants to take the other side of the trade, which is good. You saw last week we covered the amount of puts that people were buying into this. Uh, those things are not going to pay. You'll see uh, by expiration in October, everyone's expecting this huge 20% more. It's, it's amazing the amount of people that come out of the woodwork after the market's down 10 and 20% calling for 10 and 20% corrections. It's, it's just mind boggling. And usually it's the same people that were saying cash is trash when the market was at all time highs, uh, which is just, uh, you know, almost um, it, it's hard to believe. But um, OK, growth expectations near all time low. 72% expect weaker economy next year. Uh, well, here is which, by the way, may they may be surprised because we had negative GDP growth in Q1 and Q2. I'm not sure that we're going to have negative GDP growth in Q1 of Q2 of 2023. I would take the other side of that trade because uh, you're going to get the stimulus from China kicking in. I mean, China's basically been uh, like an albatross around the world for the last 12 months because of silly policy. Uh, wait till they get humming again what's going to happen on a global basis. People are underestimating that. Uh, people other than Marco Kalanovic over at JP Morgan has uh, been talking about that. Uh, but, you know, these are the points in time when growth expectations were so low, you wanted to be a buyer. Even in 2006, you had another two year run. You could have made a ton of money. Uh, the bottom in uh, December 2000 after the big tech wreck, uh, the pandemic lows were lower than all of these points in terms of sentiment. The cash levels are higher than the great financial crisis, higher than the pandemic lows. Uh, all the way back to 2001, they haven't been higher. People are in panic mode. Uh, and that's when you want to be buying when there's blood in the street. So um, relative to the past 10 years, investors are long cash, defensives and energy while being underweight equities, eurozone, emerging markets and cyclicals. I'll tell you what, as much as I love the emerging markets and all you have to do is watch the dollar for that trade, uh, the eurozone is getting attractive and people are like eurozone. Well, they're going to freeze this winter. It's going to be a depression. That may be true, but everyone knows that. So uh, then in the face of that, what do you buy that's high quality that when this is all resolved? I mean, 
you know, you got this crazy news this week that Ukraine could even win the war, which would be unbelievable. Uh, I still think not the highest probability, but uh, no one would have thought that uh, two months ago. And what a surprise that would be. Imagine if you're in the highest cash position you've ever been in your life. Uh, and, you know, all these body bags are going home to Russia. All these moms are, are losing faith in Putin. Uh, and uh, all this, you know, and NATO's pumping uh, Ukraine full of weapons. Uh, you know, imagine you had an upside resolution like that. What would happen to energy, number one, and then equities and everything else? And you're in your highest amount of cash. You have the lowest amount of risk on in history. And then all of a sudden, in one day, the market's up six, seven, eight percent. And then you get a gridlock in Congress. Uh, then the market's up another three, four, five percent. You're still stuck in cash like you were in June and you missed the whole summer rally. What do you think happens into year end? And that's how these big moves happen. Um, so take the other side. Uh, looking a few months out, the pain trade is up. Market will start to discount grid, gridlock after November elections. No new taxes or policy change equals bullish. Contrarian trades, watch the smart money, not the emotional knee jerk. If you can step in at extremes when volatility and fear are high and be patient in the short term, you'll make outsized returns over time. So short the USD, commercial US dollar, commercial hedgers, green line at the bottom, aggressively short as was the case before peaks in 2020, 2017, 2015. Look guys, I'm just pointing it out to you, 2013, 2009, 2006. So you can bet against them, but it would be the first time in two decades that they weren't right. Uh, that's all I have to say. And this is from Kimball Charting, just the other technical stuff he looks at. You know, it's worth looking at, but not something worth making a decision off of. Um, long treasuries, 10-year note. Everyone right now thinks rates are going what? Up. Okay, everyone is on that side of the boat. Well, let's take a look at other times that people were so d darn certain that that was going to be the case. Here's what commercials were doing. They were hedging and taking the other side of the trade. And guess what? You had a monster rally in uh, uh, bonds, a compression in yields. That was after the 2018 mishap uh, of, uh, of Powell. We could have the same exact thing. If you think he's not making mistakes tightening this much, just wait a few months. You're going to see what happens, and you're going to see how quickly he pivots. Um, and it will probably come from the high-yield market, by the way. Uh, 2017, same thing. You got this rally when, when everyone was, uh, was short bonds. Same thing here in 2014. Um, bonds rallied, yields compressed. Then 2011... Same thing here, bonds rallied. Same thing in 2009, bonds rallied. So it just goes on and on and on and on. Same thing here. So um, same thing with S&P futures, commercial hedgers, green line at the bottom, aggressively long, as was the case before equity rallies in 2020. Uh, here you go, right here, boom, big rally. 2016. Commercials long the green line, boom, multi-year rally. 2011, debt financial crisis, they're just as long as they are now, boom, big rally. 2009, they were short and now they're long and boom, big rally. So, uh, and then they wanted me to cover a few stocks. I just went into Alibaba, which we've already covered, the audit clearance, the Stock Connect, 
the uh, buyer demand from mainland China, the massive stimulus, AMP Financial. Oh, and by the way, you get a great e-commerce business on top of it. Uh, Expedia, I was talking about the business travel trading at 11 and a half times next year, 38%, 34% earnings growth. And Lennar, wait for uh, bonds to get bid, trading at five times forward, starter home demand, et cetera. All the trades that no one wants right now. And it was funny, I kept talking with Will. I know it looks the opposite today. Just wait a couple of days. <laughs> and he was laughing. Um, so more on inflation, guys. Uh, has inflation peaked? Just follow the trends. So you saw energy commodities down double digits. Uh, you saw energy services like utilities lagged. Uh, those were the big contributors to the miss. Uh, and then used cars were down. Uh, and then we just went through a bunch of the consumer and producer me metrics. What you can see in all cases is the trend has rolled over. So you can read through these to get granular, but uh, we're not going to spend time on that here because you can just do it. It's just very straightforward. We know where the trend is going. And the Fed should be a little bit patient here and listen to Barry Sternlich and Elon Musk, economist extraordinaire, uh, and Jeffrey Gunlock, who's one of the greatest bond traders uh, of all time, saying the exact same things. The Fed needs to be careful. This stuff works on a lag basis. Um, so you just see it across the board. And then on the producer side, it's even more extreme. I mean, going negative. It's just and, and they want to you know, go bananas on, on the hikes. Just just talk up the. Uh, quantitative tightening say we're we're pulling two trillion dollars of liquidity we're gonna go you know uh we're we're at restrictive on the hikes if we need to do more we'll do more but right now we're focused on quantitative tightening we all know it's sterilized so it has no effect and let's just see what happens over the next couple of months before they just tighten the doors off which they're probably going to wind up doing uh, but then they'll just reverse more quickly which is a good thing this is the clip from uh jim paulson you definitely want to listen to the details what i've been saying that the market always bottoms before uh, inflation peaks uh, for the last 100 years. Inflation peaked in June. The market bottomed in June. I think we're in good shape as it relates to Cooper Standard. The credit markets are still closed. That's not good news. Um, but we'll see if that improves somewhat after the, uh, next week's Fed meeting and presser. Look, there's a year and a half to get it done. Um, you know, so it, maybe it's next year, but I think they're going to get something done on the 300 million before the end of the year. I think as the equity markets rally into year end, uh, they'll be able to pop it out, not at the best terms, and then they'll refinance it a year or two years out, and we're off to the races on that front. But I think the business itself is doing unbelievable, and I think we're gonna start to see a few quarters of $30 million of EBITDA, and people's minds are gonna be absolutely blown. Uh, this was, a, I screenshotted this from yesterday morning. Um, Christina Partsenevelis was talking about uh, NXPI and this note, uh, industry note from Bernstein, St Stacy Rasgon, uh, auto, auto chip shipments uh, now shipping greater than 50% above historical trends and overall channel inventories are reaching record highs. This is huge for the OEMs, the new producers and it's huge for the auto suppliers that supply to the oems like ford gm the biggest two clients of cooper standard which means they're producing the cars which means they need the sealers and the fuel delivery systems and the cooling systems so i think we're going to start to see major ebitda quarters and i think their estimate i think uh into year end uh uh, may in fact come true in terms of the EBITDA that they were looking for on the last call, which is going to make more people want to finance them. So, so things are. Uh, I'd rather, uh, I'd rather the business is doing well and the credit markets were closed than they got a refinancing done and the business was doing poorly. Because if the business is doing well, eventually you get financed. If you're financed, 
and the business is doing poorly, you won't be able to, to service it. Uh, so uh, I think the good catalyst is happening. The, the, the other catalyst, I think we're going to see in, in coming months or sooner. Uh, sentiment, it got a little bit better this week on the retail side, 26% bullish. Uh, fear and greed is back to fear. That's good for buyers, uh, bad for sellers who are selling in the hole. And equity, National Association of Active Investment Managers, they're up to 33%. They're going to have to chase their tails off into year end as we get some positive catalysts. So that's good news. Uh, as for economic data, we kind of have gone through it uh, at infinitum as it relates to the inflation. Uh, retail sales actually did come in um, uh, better, better than expected this morning. So that was good to see. Um, manufacturing, New York State manufacturing came in better than expected. Jobless claims came in better than expected. So uh, the economy is kind of humming along in the face of these headwinds. And then earnings continue to hold up still near 244. Every analyst under the sun was calling for a 20% re-rating last quarter. We got a two to two and barely two, somewhere between two and 3% re-rating, which is nothing, uh, but not 3%. I think it's about two and a half percent. And that's the story. So, you know, you've got the headlines and you've got the facts. We try to lay out the facts every single week. We hope you find it helpful. Hopefully by next week, we'll have our website back so we can do a full podcast video cast. But in the meantime, I want to thank you for tuning in. Uh, we'll see you next week. Same time, same place. Bye for now. And in the meantime, make it a great one. Take care.